CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, finally, they got here. Walk in the paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Podcast with the Brian Campbell, and it is back, baby. All box, all the time. Spence Porter pay per view week, ready to get you revved and fired the heck up. The Brian Campbell, of course, the voice that you hear. Hey, folks, it is five star season. Why don't you spread it forward? Spread it thick across that toast. You listen to this show. You like this show. Tell people, tell us that you like it by going Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download and love fine audio. And, you know, give back. Give back this holiday season, please. But uh, without further ado, shout out to the Irish crew. Shout out to the ADK crew. Shout out to the Godinez crew. Shout out to Omaha. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. And shout out to my co-hosts because we got to get you fired up. For the big pay-per-view this weekend, we got to look back at what was supposed to be the deadest boxeo weekend in the history of life. Turned out we got a couple things to talk about. And don't you forget, who else is going to give you the type of interviews we give you on this show? We got Errol Spence. We got Sean Porter from the PBC face-to-face set this week. So sit back, relax, and let yourself go. Don't fake what you heard. Act like you know. Here is my co-host. He will look you up. He's a New York Times best-selling author. He's a native of New York. He is ready to deal with his first Detroit winter. He raised Bartholomew. Let me look you up. Let me look you down. Keep chocolate. What happened to you? Oh. Rafe Bugs, how is it in the Midwest, brother? Hi, Brian. Uh, you know, I can't complain. Beautiful day out here. Beautiful. A little Indian summer. Is that that's we can still say that? Native uh, American know. summer, I think, is preferred. Rafe. All right. Then we're just making it worse by talking like this. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to call it? I was my fault for raising it. It's a beautiful day. Red summer? Warm, I mean, how, where, are you, where are you going with this? Right? <laughs> it's intemperate. A little, a little un, almost unseasonably warm. I was getting ready for the fall, but we're not there yet. It's like Comanche 80, boy warm, summer? sunny. I mean, what do you want me Excuse to say? Me? I, I'm not. T- I, it's my fault. Tatanuapa summer? What do you, where are we going? I did this. I, I, I take full responsibility. All right. All right. We will not tolerate any slut, sh- slut shaming. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Rafe, are you feeling the fire 
in your veins about Spence Porter. Los Angeles, Fox pay-per-view, Saturday. Sure, why not? It's a good fight. I want to. I don't know how bad. I, I I would rather not pay for it, but it's worthy of a pay per view event in this day and age. Hell yes, let's say yes. I am. I, I am. My blood is boiling. I cannot wait. I'm I mean, counting dude, down days, putting X's on my calendar. It's champion versus champion in the welterweight division. The welterweights have carried this sport for two decades. This is a damn good fight. There's a lot of things we we would like to have in this world. Yeah, but I mean. I want an 11-inch penis. It's not- but I'll take a welterweight unification by with two friends who love each other's daddy. Let's get it on, Rave. Let's indeed get that on. All right. That's all right. right. That's all you That's got. All. I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm a, I agree. What do you want me to say? We're going to talk about this fight. Yes, we are. I'm not going to. It's too early in the week, Brian. It's too early in the week. Too many things are going to happen between now and then. It's going to be 15 other dumb stories that distract me. I'll be there when it matters for Spence Porter. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Jeff Horn. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Please. Hey, by the way, speaking of Rich, that that was that was Dwyer, right? Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Um, People on our timeline this week on Twitter, the quality blokes of the world, just like guys. Stop messing around. Don't ruin a great thing. Don't ruin this show. We all heard BC try to interview his idol, Tyson Fury, and boy, was that a train wreck. People aren't going to get us, the the, the culture of this show, us weirdos. Why would you try to get Richie involved? Your thoughts? I mean... That is a valid point. It, we, you, we, we could ask Richard Dwyer to come on the show. He could agree. And then we could start introducing all of our shtick. And it could go horribly, horribly wrong. Like to the point that he takes legal action against us or does something <laughs> illegal to us well, because we piss him off so bad. But he may love it. You don't know. Well, Rich- you don't know. And it's the question is do we want to risk what we already have by introducing that that element of chance. I just need him to know, like, this isn't a regular show. This is a hardcore show. You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. We're not a regular. You're fans who keep track of the sport week to week. Damn right. BoxingScene.com, great site to uh, to check it out. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Rafe. Now I'm back on the fence. Man, what a soap opera. Our lifetime with Dwyer. What a what a run we've been on. For for barely for having one email contact with the man. We've lived and died with the Campbells and uh the Hooters and Campbell and Cupertino, California going down. And uh yeah, yeah, Ray. I just you know, I wanna see it may end up blowing up in my face, but I wanna see completion with with this story, Rafe. I want I would like to have I would take that chance and hope for it to be a tug and war of kindness. And and just so I could say to him, I would like to shake your hand. I mean, yeah, it doesn't cost much, just our dignity. But I, I would like, you know, and I know what our listeners are thinking. Quite frankly, this brother's feeling a little bit ripped off. They want it. Well, now now some of them don't. But uh, yeah. More on that one day to come. All right. Uh, it's fight week. Uh, Rafe, anything else in your life you want to talk about? I really enjoyed your referee piece 
on the athletic. Um, you getting book itchy at all? Our good friend uh, Alex McClintock's book it's out, man. Buy it. Buy that Australian Toronto blokes book. I forgot the name of it. Buy it. On the chin by Alex McClintock. Quality top. He's a quality operator. A top gentleman. A real bloke. Someone whose book you want to buy. If you're not in Australia, you would probably want to buy it on the Kindle. Yes. Thank you. Um, are, Come on, are, Brian. Talk to me about boxing. Are you itchy at all to write a box book? Right. Where Where are we talking about? Here? I mean, you know, I, I mean, uh, I, I've seen what you've been doing at the hot dog stand, Rafe. But how, you know, I know. You, look, Rafe, here's a couple of things that you can do well. All right. Bill Simmons said you're a stretch four. Okay, um, I I do have a little. I have not real, not NBA three point range, but college you're college range. New York a little Times, bit of a guy, high selling author. Okay, uh, you were once on a Filipino soap opera in which you assaulted a woman, Rafe. Let's let's not forget that moment. All right, all right. Uh, that that clip is no longer available on YouTube. I will say. Uh, yeah. Um, you do things well. You write about boxing well, and you pump. More than once, a few books that have sold a few. So consummate this, Rafe. I appreciate the words of support, the kind words, Brian. And look, if the, if the right opportunity comes along, I would love to. I love this sport. I really I love writing about it, maybe even more. Um, but you, it has to be the right book, it has to be the right project, it has to be the right time. One thing I have learned from doing this a few times is that Trying to write a book when you're not in a good place to do it or when you don't have the time or if it's something you are not super really just dying to do, that is hell, man. You do not want to get stuck having to pull 90,000, 120,000 words out of your bunghole on something you are not fully committed to on a on a deadline with all that stuff. You know what? I could pick up the long lost Freddie Roach uh, biography that has been in the hands of 17 other people, uh, which has never been offered to me. I feel I kind of resent that. Um, but I also am not like a, I, I never was a, a hardcore wild card uh, guy. I didn't hang out there all the time. And that's sort of, I think, how people got that. Uh, anyway, nah, Brian, here, the short answer is boxing books don't sell, man. Nothing, nothing I would want to write, which would be um, about the current era of boxing, probably, which I know better. And just feel closer to it has live bodies to talk to that the, people don't care about that you see the, you know the biggest boxing book coming out this year at least in the uh, according to the publishers is the only major publishing it's a it's a another rocky marciano biography what are like well, all, I, the only the only boxing it's like abraham lincoln you know it's like every boxing book is another ali book or a marciano book or a joe lewis book and that is for good reason we understand the the historical importance of all of those fighters, but I don't know. I I, I like I'm not ready for that. I want to do something fresher, you know. And that's kind of the, that's that. Uh, now we now we're getting into career talk and, yeah, and this... turning off all the listeners. But I'm not I'm not that guy, man. I always want to go find something new. And and um yeah. So right. it's gonna be have to be the right thing. And my agent, anytime I even mention the word sports to her, she's like, yo, man, get out of here. I don't come back until you have something I could sell for real money. That so I may not agent. ever write another book. That's the that's the truth. All right. That woman agent. Wow. All right. Uh, that's that was a low point of our podcast. But uh, 
All right, Rafe, well, good luck to you in the rest of your life, okay? Um, hey, we always start the show the same way to get us warmed up in the morning. Let's do the bird call, morning bird call. Early on the low, on the D, and we always hear there. from our friends and sponsors. So how about you just dig it? It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back. BC, Rafe Bugs, Spence Porter week. Rafe, we got a lot of Spence Porter coming our, our uh, the listeners' way. Interviews with both, breakdown and analysis of the fight. But gun to your head right now. Competitive fight? Or will Sean Porter find out this in the end? It ain't. And it won't. And you not. And you ain't. Simple as that. Tell me. It isn't true. Don't ruin my Spence Porter high on day one of the week, Rafe. I think it could still be a fight worth watching. I think Sean Porter will will fight very hard. He will be prepared. He should be in shape. Probably will make weight, although that's been an issue in recent fights for Sean Porter because he's a he's a he's a well built guy. But no, Errol Spence is going to beat him easily. Whoa, whoa! Because Errol Spence is really, 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 really. Gosh darn good, Brian. I, it's, he, he, I, I could see it being a 10-2 type decision because Porter is a, is a tough customer and, and, you know, has never been stopped. Only been down against, what, Adrian Broner, right? Um, yes. Very surprisingly, yes. Aerospace by murder. Well, and I don't think it will necessarily be that, but it will be. I think a very complete performance. Errol Spence, that look, even at a very high level that they're both at, there are still levels. Errol Spence is at least one level above. That's All my right. that's that's where how I look Spence at Spence like a monster favorite. I think last time I saw it was like minus nine nine hundred, like just something outrageous. Sean has Sean Porter ever beat uh, one in one of these step up fights? Uh no. <laughs> and no. Devin. He beat Devin. He manhandled Devin. All right. We'll get to that later. Uh, quick re- weekend recap, Rafe. There wasn't supposed to be anything to talk about. And then Peter Quillen in the husk of washed Alfredo Angulo after round and got a damn triple-double. A fight of the year contender. PBC on FS1 in Bakersfield. A brawl. And it was Angulo. The guy who took the black pill before the Canelo pay-per-view fight and didn't show up. The guy who's two divisions over his head. The guy who finally made it out of that detention center. 
in which he grew the most ridiculous homeless caveman beard ever gave Peter Quillen a bad L in a really fun fight, Rafe. Your thoughts. Wow. Um, It was a fun fight, Brian. A fight of the year candidate. Uh, if, that, if this shows up on ballots, I will – I don't I, – I, I, I'll be really upset. This this was just – I know you like it sloppy. This was mostly just sad. Like Alfredo Angulo looks like he can't – like there's a hitch in his punch. In, like he's – it was just so ugly. Ugly, 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 Brian. I don't care. I know I, I, hate, I, I hate to crap all over it because uh, – yo, man, it just was – yeah, it was surprising. There was some action. It was just, it's just. I look, it it left a bad taste in my mouth. Well, it goes without saying. And I look, I I we always talk about this. Once you get close to these guys, once you interview them, once you see them regularly, you find out the people that they are. Kid Chocolate, who got a lot of hate through the years from fans, is like legit one of the special people in this game. A, a man I love. But, you know what? I, but, I, I, you, know but, why, you know why I no you got you know, I always had something against Kid Chocolate because he was one of these fighters who trains in New York and gets like for whatever reason all of the the idiot bankers who like boxing except the ones who listen to this show uh all of them get really behind him like every fight at Barclays you could see there was just like a whole Wall Street section of guys going oh right, Pete! And I'm like, I don't like this guy no more. All right, well, that's your that's your business. Um, I love that I man. Guns. And at the same time, it goes without saying, Rafe, regardless of the direction that decision went on Saturday night. I know this sounds terrible. I think you should finish. No, that's we didn't need to see that fight to know that, Brian. I know. So I'm saying that as a baseline, as a foundation. Um, he never been the same since, as more Ronaldo said, he was on inline skates against... Danny Jacobs in round one, really since he gave up that title, since Heyman made him give up the title and not fight Korobov, right? Really never been the same. Um, Doesn't tuck his chin. It just seems, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like the same guy. So that opened the door for what you're saying. A washed Angulo who really didn't particularly look great either to come in and rock him with that big right hand and really turn this into... An extra sloppy surprise, little fun action. Had a lot of people on Twitter suddenly going, you know what? They should make a wash division. They should make a wash contender show. This was great matchmaking. Bros, this is what I live for, first of all. Okay, two old names who can who just mesh perfectly. Not great for long-term mental health. Great for my entertainment. Um, It was kind of a win for everybody but Peter Quillen, Rafe. Yeah, I guess it, it it was fine. It was in a good competitive fight. Both guys like tried very hard. I it was so it, they were just so so far diminished, man. That like it was hard. I I could not get to that same level of all right. This is exciting. It's like ah, uh, you know, there. It just was. It was. It was ugh, you sound ugh, like a guy ugh. describing. An adult film like, star, starring exactly. really old I hate to say, actresses. I was going to say something like that just now. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was like that. It was like, uh, like you don't want to see them in that state of their careers, even if they're still giving their all. Uh, you're like, it could get me there. But at the same time, I'm really not down with this. All right. 
Yeah. Strapping it on and going toe-to-toe with a foe is something most of us will never experience. Yes, sorry. Should have cut it off after strapping it on. Speak for yourself, buddy. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. Some some hours of the day. All right. Thank you, soundboard. Um, Yeah, I guess there's nothing really to talk about. Caleb Truax, who originally was going to fight Peter Quillen, tweeted, Hey, I'll, Angulo, you want to do this? Uh, you know, basically meet me in... Minneapolis, uh, would you care about that fight? No, right? I wouldn't care about it, but I think that's better than Angulo getting thrown into a fight with Caleb Plant. Or the, the only the, that's I think the the real criticism besides me just being wishy washy and being like, yeah, it wasn't for me, um, is that sometimes these past it fighter versus past it fighter fun matchups, like say Josecito Lopez versus Andre Berto. Next fight, Berto gets gets thrown in with Floyd Mayweather. The when the winner ends up in a fight that it just doesn't really belong in and wastes a date for a, a a guy who's got bigger things to do in a division and is also in serious serious danger. Uh, that's the thing you want to avoid. And we could see that I could see that happening in this case. I hope it doesn't. Um, true acts makes sense. All right. Uh, on the undercard, Chris Colbert, the you know, I called him Colbert last week. He had a nice knockout that really put yeah. that prospect forward. But did you see the one punch knockout by Jesus Ramos on that undercard, Rafe? Uh, there's a man named Ray Boom Boom Mancini who has given us oh. in the past a few different what I like to call Raygasms that we've played on the show, Rafe. <laughs> I mean, dig it again, Rafe. Dig it again. So it's like shades of of prime announcer Emmanuel Stewart. Um, I don't know. Hell what... no. Hell no. Oh, Hell no. Emmanuel Stewart making the Floyd just knocked Victor Ortiz noise about that comment. Well, we didn't just get a raygasm in this Jesus Ramos fight, Ray. Rafe, in which he landed a left cross, pinned his opponent against the ropes, and that opponent fell face forward. And as the old Ferdy Pacheco, the fight doctor, used to say, Rafe, when they fall face forward, you don't need to count. Um, We got a double raygasm because it wasn't Chris Myers on the call. It was a jacked up Ray Flow, sweet baby Ray Flores. And we got some Ray on Ray. Uh. Magic, I think. Is... I, I, maybe they strapped one on and faced another man. Rafe, there was, there were, I would hand check on Ray versus Ray at the moment. Here was the Ray, double Raygasm on the Jesus Ramos call. The right hook upstairs. Edwards shakes his head. As oh, no, there's a straight left. Down goes Edwards. Oh, and a 30 straight left. And this oh, one is over. Kennedy for knockout of the year. Jesus Ramos. Ricky Edwards, boom, shakalaka. Whoa! Right, and out with NBA Edwards. Jam. We'll come back to get the official particulars. We'll take a look at it again. And as Elvis Presley said, they got me all shook up. Uh-huh. Uh, Rafe, what just happened? What just, what just, what just happened there, Rafe? <laughs> I, uh, if it happens on... Uh, 
on Fox Sports 2 did it really happen. <laughs> if Andre Ward fights on BET, Rafe, and nobody watched it, yeah. Uh, do you have the Brown Sugar Act? By... No, no, another conversation another day. Um, It's kind of like Netflix, just blacker. That's really where I was going with that, Rafe. Uh, wow, Ray. Uh, <laughs> wow, Ray, Rays of Light, Wait, Rafe. Th- that little extra Elvis bit that really we needed that one there um i think i also saw you know pbc tweeted one of those reaction shots of everyone frozen during the knockdown yes, yes and was it once again ray flores's brother with the craziest reaction in the front row known, also yes. what's he doing in every does, does like is that i didn't know that being the Ring announcer meant you get to bring your brother to every fight well, no. all over the country. Miguel Flores, Ray's younger brother, tends to do the undercards on the same shows that Ray does the. So on this card, Ray did the announcing. Can I do some? Can I start doing PBC face to face for the bad, the even worse fights that than you do? Then like I'm like your little brother. Speaking of uh, that comment, uh, <laughs> I got I got me some <laughs> Brian Castaño, Wally Omatoso in my future, Rafe. Okay, so deal right. with deal with that. All right. You are the lucky boy, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Big gift to people. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Can't wait for people to see that one. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, that's all I got for that, Rafe. You didn't see any other fights this weekend, right? Oh, uh, you know I did. I sent you a link to it oh, on Facebook. Watch... I didn't see from it. From you... K-Box. Uh, oh. There was uh, the three-round Kevin Lerena Sefer Safari cruiserweight fight from south africa lorena sending your boy surfing safari to hell oh boy oh boy all right uh did you see ishay smith win his uh bare knuckle debut and did you see it was the debut of the ken shamrock uh what are they calling it valet bare knuckle boxing they're using the bkb pit basically they're basically using the bkb pit and ishay smith jabbed his way to a victory in his debut were there any tears of joy? I, d- I didn't check that. I didn't get that close to it to find out. But uh, all right. It's closer than I got, bro. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Surf and Safari, for exiting our life. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you about the Canelo Kovalev press conference and the face-off, Rafe. We, not, the, not the HBO face-off or the PBC face-to-face products you used to have and never will. I'm talking about when they went face-to-face and we saw for the first time just how damn bigger Sergey Kovalev is ahead of this November 2nd fight in the zone, a service I have. Um, did that hammer home like it did for me that this man's got balls. This is a tough-ass ask. Tough-ass ask, Rafe for Canelio. Yeah, well, well, I mean, besides just the the size advantage because we've seen Canelo beat a couple of tall uh, not great fighters before. Name them. Like Name them. Uh his, his you know, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Yes, yes. and uh Rocky Fielding, uh both around the same height as Kovalev and looked similarly large in a face-off, but both of whom were never even in those fights and i think that's the big difference and something that i didn't need to see this necessarily to be convinced of yeah it is a ballsy move to go up and fight a guy that big who is good and proven and just beat you know just it was a tough fight with anthony yard obviously kovalev was almost out in the eighth round but he wasn't and then he 
put a serious hurt on yard from that point once he got himself together and the guy yo it's 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 going i want to see this even if it plays out like a lot of us think it ultimately will which which is canelo getting to kovalev's body and probably stopping him late on on body shots um still i want to see him pull it off and i don't think it will be easy sailing getting that i don't think he's just cruising in around that jab like it's one thing to counter and slip and and do all the things canelo did to chavez's jab to walk straight through rocky fielding do that if he does that to kovalev then geez i don't know what we're looking at you know um yeah it's a ballsy thing and and it did it did reinforce that to see them standing next to each other and kovalev looking just as big as he really is there and and canelo you you remember oh shit this guy's like five seven really yeah, indeed, indeed. And it was cool to hear Buddy McGirt, the trainer of Kovalev, who seems to be having an almost Arturo Gatti late career type effect on Sergey, basically just be like, hey, Canelo, man, you got a lot of balls. There's no catch weights here. You're doing this like a man. Like, Rafe, I'm still upset about Canelo making Triple G weight two years to fight him and doing that whole song and dance. Uh, you're next, my friend. Oh, you're not next yet, though. Hold on. I got to fight a couple uh, couple other guys. I got to fight Beefy Smith in Dallas first. Um. Golovkin, I, see you in three years. Yes, I've forgiven him for the uh, the the uh, what do you the, when 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 tainted meat entered the lexicon, or I just forgot about it. I don't know. I, I mean, say like you you just forgiven him. You're like okay, I mean, I, it's cool. Don't I worry mean, about everyone's it. Everyone's using it at this point. Um, but this is so manly, dude. This is fighting trout when he didn't have to. But way more. This is fighting Lada when he didn't have to. But way more. This is balls, bro. So um, Kovalev had an interesting interview with uh, a really, a really good journalist who I I, uh, I subscribe to. Marcos Viejas has done a spectacular job. Which which the one? journalist? Oh, the journalist. Okay, the journalist. Um, where he basically was like, "Look, you know, Canelo is going to have a real good chance." This Kovalev talking. Canelo is going to have a real good chance in this fight because you know he's going to be strong. He's going to be full weight, not cut. And then Canelo, and then Kovalev went on to basically say that he's almost never been really strong because this is a tough weight cut for him. I started to think, I'm like, wow, that gap between light heavy and cruiser is really big, right? It's 175 to 200, and it is kind of Sergey Kovalev in a no man's land where you know he couldn't he doesn't have the the, the body size and the mus, muscle it would seem to fight at cruiserweight so he's got to suck himself down to be a rail thin light heavyweight and he's had the power and he's been able to be a front runner and he had that run of destruction really good boxer we 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 need to give him that credit but he sort of was like you know it's going to be a diminished guy against a fully powerful guy I don't know. That was just sort of interesting to kind of put that in in perspective. Yeah. I mean, the, the, my first thought there, Brian, is that it now we've never been in camp with Sergey Kovalev or Sergei or Sergei Kovalev's, uh, but we both I, like there's enough out there to assume that Kovalev's struggles making weight over the years may not always have been just due to his. Uh, you know how large he is for the weight it's it it also seems like he has you know there are times when he didn't train as hard or gained a lot of weight between or didn't you know wasn't eating well all sorts of stuff like that sat ah, next to the wrong person on an airplane 
Well, he, that didn't stop him from making weight, although, you know, some some may have had us believe that it was going to end him on the spot. Um, but Brian, he, he's made it. He's made the weight every time, like for seven, eight years we've been watching him. I'm not that worried. And he's been good enough to beat everyone he's fought except for Andre Ward in that time. So I'm not that like, you know, whatever he's saying about that. What do you think, Brian, about just how friendly and happy? Sergey Kovalev was during the, right he's the happy. press conference. Think about it, was Rafe. That? He would have finished the... off his career eventually, you know, sacrificing his body to hell to re- sell, you know, renting his like hell was like, can I borrow your body a few more times in your mind? And, and what would he have gotten paid per fight? Like six hundred, seven hundred thousand. Not even. Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, he would have well, you're talking about, like, say, if he just fought the the round robin of, uh, of yes. light heavyweights. Well, I mean, look. I don't think I would necessarily favor him against all those guys. I don't think he would be a big underdog against any of them. But he would have to go through some really hard fights yes. and make a combined like three million. No, I think he would at least until he lost one or two, he would be getting low millions. Okay. Well still he's getting what? What is what is he getting? twelve fifteen for this? I think something like that. I mean, of course <laughs> of course he's freaking happy. And he took a big gamble going through with that yard fight and he, and he came away with it. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, think about where he's at and the biggest star in the sport is going out of his way to fight him uh, and, and, and just giving him a lottery ticket. And at the same time, it's a fight where if, if I don't know, you know, the inside of Sergey's brain, but if he really, 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 really still believes in himself and still believes he's a badass, he's got to be thinking, okay, yeah, sure. This guy's a great boxer. He probably could hurt me to the body. He could probably win this fight against me, but I also could knock him out. Like I'm Sergey Kovalev. Hi, my boxing fans. Um, thank you for your support. Yeah, that that downtrodden Sergey. You know, from that guy's gone, Rafe. All right. We yeah, rich, it's all baby. it's all roses. I mean, I, I now I'm I'm ready. Put me next to him on the airplane. You know, it seems like he's oh, turned wow. over a new leaf, brand don't, new Sergey. Um, yeah. What do you? <laughs> uh, it's funny though because with all of the, it's not widespread but we hear from the hardcore group of anti canelo fans who either they're big triple g fans or they're just really upset at the way canelo has held the three divisions hostage and really flexed his muscle and just kind of jerked everyone around and look i i I, i've i've gotten to the point where i think it's fun to watch him do all these things but i understand the people who are just like no neither triple g fight was convincing enough we want a third fight like there is that segment and there's a lot a lot of they're loud and they really really don't like canelo wouldn't isn't there why why wouldn't kovalev just come out and throw red meat at them and be like canelo piece of shit canelo piece of shit <laughs> like you like, never be triple g yeah i don't um i you know it's always been sort of weird to try to figure out who sergey really is it's always talked just enough English where it's not a problem, but at the same time, never really said anything. He was such a badass bully in the ring that that was sort of the image. I remember we got that him that time talking about Seagal movies and which one he liked best, and he liked when the chick jumped out of the cake in uh, in Under Siege, as 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 we do, of course, because that's what men do. And uh, but like you never really know who he is. You got a little feel when after the losses to Andre Ward, and he saw he's a little bit of a baby, and then he had the whole. Greek incident and crashing his car in the woods, all that. But like, 
I mean, he just seems so friggin' happy to be here right now. And this is his retirement. This is his like is that good future. or bad. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of fuel for a killer to come out. We, you and I have been like, okay, well, what if he decides it's a six round fight and he comes ready to fight? I don't know. I hope it's not. I'm going to play safe and paw jab and I don't expect myself really to win this anyway. So I'm just going to try not to get hurt, bro. Maybe, maybe get back on the sauce before the fight. All right. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a vodka party every night and just go maybe get uh, cleverly around and do a couple crotch feints in his face. Like get that find guy some, back, find, you know, go into the grocery store, throw, start, start making it rain on some random women yeah. who look at you cross quiet, exactly. cross eyed, you know, really, really just go for the, the whole experience. Like we've always said about Manny during that streak where he didn't knock anybody out for two decades. We're like, dude, start playing dice again, bro. All right. Start dancing in clubs, like grow the gross mustache back, wear the no fear trunks. All right. Bring... Buy, buy back the cockfighting farm. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I'm into that fight. I'm so I'm so into that. That fight, me too, man. It's an awesome fight. It has so much potential to be better than people realize. Like it really, and it's going up against Diaz Masvidal. Yet I'm like so all in on the Canelo Kovalev side of it that I'm like, whatever, whatever happens that night in the uh, skinhead white guy thing, that's fine. Even though I'm really into that, but uh, yeah, I'm ready for this. On that same night, Rafe, your boy Rye guy is going to be in the co-main against that dude from the undercard on DAZN a couple weeks ago that wore the. I want to fight you next, Ryan Garcia shirt. He didn't impress me enough to remember his name or track it down. Romero Duno. Duno. Do you know Duno? Um, oh, you don't know? The story here is that Raga is getting, quote, the largest contract ever given to a prospect or whatever they called it. But the whole point is they've kissed and made up. Ryan Garcia is getting paid finally for what he brings to the table, which is three million Instagram followers and probably a few paternity suits. Uh, but Rafe, um, I don't know, man, like good for him. He knew his value. He went after it, but if they're really giving him this much money and granted, he is a bright prospect. He has a chance to be a crossover star to a certain degree, but I hope they didn't overpay him too much until we find out how good of a fighter he actually is. Like this, uh, that seems like a, a dangerous risk, an important, necessary one for golden boy. But, uh, you okay with this as the pay-per-view co-main to please him? Well, see, that's the thing. I I don't I don't mind how much money they choose to pay him. I hope he's happy with the amount he's getting paid. He is a he is unique in his appeal at his level of the game. How much he's achieved in boxing, I can't think of any other fighter who who has that who could even co- be in a position to command some version of big money, whatever they're paying him over a, what I guess they said maybe five fights uh, because. He's done nothing in the ring to 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 earn it yet. You know, there's he's shown promise in the ring that he could get to that level, but he still hasn't gotten there. Um, but good for him. That's fine. I, I I don't mind how much. Who cares how much money he's getting or not getting? And that's uh, and and Golden Boy. It is a smart move to to please him because who's his trainer? Eddie Reynoso, the trainer of Canelo Alvarez. And you saw Canelo retweeting all of the things that. Ryan Garcia was was tweeting against Golden Boy at the beginning of last week, and we knew that Canelo already was reported to have some issues with the, with the situation at Golden Boy. So, by you got to pay by by paying Ryan Garcia and 
Eddie gets whatever his cut is of those nice big purses now. That just keeps the whole team Canelo happier with the Golden Boy situation. So it's, I mean, in that on that level, you just it's just it's just a, you 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 got to pay that money and then try to make the most of it. Whatever whatever that is ends that up being. Is that contract going to get him hurt? Meaning now have they committed more money than they ever wanted to, and now it's like, oh crap, we gotta you know we gotta make some of this money back. Let's match him no. now. They probably just give. They're just, probably just paying them the zone money. They're gonna take that money out of like Blair Cobbs's purses. Unfortunately, you know that's that's all it is. I mean, they, you know, they just move the money around. Someone else gets screwed, and that's life. You know, uh, it's I, 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 and it's all. It's probably just money connected that they already are gonna get from the zone. They're just choosing to allocate it to Ryan Garcia. And okay, great for Ryan Garcia. The only thing I don't like about it, and you mentioned it, is that like we get this Friday night fights main event as a co-main on a Canelo yeah. on a Canelo card. I don't care about this fight. I really I I'm curious about it, but as a part of a big event, it ain't worth that. I mean, do you all right how many rounds it's a ten rounder on I guessing? don't know. I mean Oscar's kind of ripped Ryan Garcia when they were fighting. I wonder if Oscar in his heart is worried the same way we are of of like if this guy, you know, is a pretty boy that doesn't have Oscar's heart, doesn't have, you know, Oscar was a real fighter. Oscar was a freak, as Wash Gill said, but we all know Oscar was a real fighter. Um, do you just keep build? Do you just keep promoting Rye Guy as an attraction if you have fear that he's not that dude? Do you just make him a full-on celebrity fighter and always tease that we're gonna put him against these other guys, but hope we never have our. Uh, uh, what was that guy's name that Top Rank tried to turn into a star? Remember that dude, that Chinese dude? Oh, um, uh, yeah, Joe Shiming. Yeah, don't have your Joe Shiming moment where we find out a couple times that that it's not and you ain't. I mean, do you just, I mean, do you just keep creating these storylines of this guy's angry and wants to fight him? And and I mean, do you do you basically keep him a Friday night fights level matchmaking forever and you know and build eventually toward that one cash out? I think it depends on what he how he develops in the ring. I mean, he he obviously has real talent with his hand speed, has some power, good reflexes. Also, we've seen flaws. We don't know really what it's like when he's going to be in there with an opponent who's coming to win and and not being deterred. Um so there's so many questions about him still. I would say, look, you just uh, in and look, I've never done this. I'm not a professional at at moving boxers' careers, so this is just me speaking from whatever my common sense and what Raise I've observed over the years yes. tells me. And that is, Brian, just think of it like you are overpaying him, but you're not going to change the plan that you had. And like you, sure, he that you wouldn't normally pay this much for for a fighter in some of these fights, but I wouldn't necessarily think that. It means you have to immediately go chase fights with Richard Comey or you know top world class lightweights. I'm not even going to bother saying things like Lomachenko or that. Or but, Devin Haney. Yeah, don't do. I mean, look, they they're three and three in the amateurs. If they, you know, maybe maybe if they if Haney becomes a star, are you telling me they fought six a few times? Years now. You're telling me those have, two fought six times in the amateurs. I'm not. I'm not woke to this. Tell me it. Tell me what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. They fought six times in the amateurs, and they split them right down the middle, three and three. What happened between then and now? Is that I the have fight no if you're the zone that you that we're building towards? Then, when Eddie and Oscar Possibly. sit down for a Cali party, eyes wide shut, masks and all, 
maybe a little bugar sugar, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? Like, are we then saying, look, year and a half, that's what we're doing. That's it. That's the one. Maybe. I mean, it, it depends. And that, that would make sense. They, they both are going to have a few fights in between. They could, they could pay Ryan Garcia. But I would just say move him like you would even if you weren't overpaying him. So don't rush him into things. Don't get him beat. Don't don't be like, all right, well, guess what? You got to face Ray Beltran now. And Ray comes in and and does his thing and and just schools him, you know, old yeah, man style, yeah. bodies him up. And all of a sudden, all that money is is what, you know, so. I, you know, just so you have, sometimes you got to overpay for something because it's part of a bigger overall strategy. That strategy includes keeping Canelo, the biggest star in the sport, happy. It seems like it's worth it on that alone. I got two things to say to you. Number one, the way you said between was very reminiscent of uh, Richard Schaefer going, uh, Lucas, the machine, Matisse. I just stole Eric Raskin's impersonation there. Um, former Maccabee Games doubles tennis champion, mind you. My second you, point uh, is... Good, a little bit of Eric Raskin trivia we learned in the last week, Brian. Yes. Do you remember who his teammate was in doubles tennis? The one and only... Harry Joe Yorkie. <laughs> I mean, could you believe it? I was like, what Rask- the hell? He, he slid in our DMs. Well, first of us. all, we know what happens in the DMs. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It goes down in the DMs. <laughs> and uh, Rasky jumps in and was like, hey, bros, I went to high school with Harry Joe Yorkie, by the way. We're like, we didn't know you grew up in the ghetto, Rask. I thought you were from, like, uh, like rich suburban Philly there. But uh, all right. Um, Rafe, my second point, though. Matchup Monday. What's it look like? You ready? You ready? Oh, lay it on me. Ryan Garcia versus Orlando Salido at 135. Right now. Go. I know we've done this. We've actually done this exact matchup before, but some things have changed. Tomorrow, what does that look like? Tomorrow? Tomorrow I would favor Ryan Garcia because I think uh, Salido is a sitting politician like a city councilman somewhere in sonora state right now uh there was that incident where he got he was during the campaign he he got in trouble for walking out of a 7-eleven with a case of beer uh he is i mean we know salito he's a, he's just a old school old dude he's probably would need time to get into shape for that sort of fight but if if say it was announced today and they had Three week, three months to to get a camp, or uh, let's just say, Salido gets the call instead of Romero Duno in uh in November second on the undercard. Right. I think that's enough time for Salido to to get into good enough shape to um, make Ryan Garcia regret ever uh, becoming a professional boxer. Would Miguel Burchelt, if he moved up, beat him tomorrow? Yes, badly. Wow. All right. Uh, he would send him to hell. They I should probably get the husk of Jason Litzow and run him up there against Ragai. I'd be down for that. Um, Rafe. Didn't the- Salka, isn't Salka yes. fighting someone? He got, again, at welterweight, his, welt, his return to welterweight? Yes. By the way, did you sent me that. Somebody sent me. One of our listeners sent us that clip of Dwyer back in 2014 trying to explain why a hedge bet on Rod Salka would be uh, fitting against DSG. He probably liked the odds and, and talked to him, talked his way into a rationale. Many, many 
guys. Yes. Wow. That wow. I think that's magic. That would have been a rough night in the Dwyer household. Uh, that's it, Rafe. I it's time to get into Spence uh Porter. I'm get, it's ready. It, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Don't be buffoonish. You ready for me? Don't be a blank. Don't be a crackpot. Don't be uh yeah. All right. Um, Spence Porter, and we've got them both on the show. These were recorded on the car rides to our PBC face-to-face. Got some really good time here with both. We're going to start off with Sean Porter coming at you right now. It's showtime, folks. Yes. Enjoy. All right, showtime, Sean Porter. Take me back. Give me the history of your friendship with Errol Spence. You know, like training together and everything. Uh, my dad comes home one day telling me about a young kid he just caught wind of that he saw in the tournament. Said the kid was really good from Dallas, Texas. Cool. Um, next thing I know, this kid is making the Olympic team. And, uh, they're asking me at that point in time, it was 2011 maybe. And I've been pro now a few years. And they were wanting some professional fighters to come out and train with the Olympic team. Um, so they chose myself because my dad was a part of the Olympic program. Um, Freddie Roach, I think, was going to be a coach or something like that. So he took a few of his fighters out there. And we just trained with the Olympic team, the 2012 Olympic team, for a week. Um, Errol Spence and myself, we did maybe two to about four rounds of sparring back then. And um, outside of that, it was always uh, the norm. Um, boxing community is small, so... Um, whenever you see these guys, you see them everywhere you go. It's always, you know, polite and, and, uh, and cordial. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's coming up? You know, things like that. So, um, I think the friendship that maybe has been painted or portrayed by the media isn't exactly the, the friendship that we have, even though we've always been, again, polite and cordial with one another. When was the first time you did the math in your head and said, I, I might end up fighting this guy in the highest level one day, you know, so maybe I shouldn't keep sparring with him. You know what, for a while he had been, he was talked about. I don't, I don't even know his record, you know, when, when people really started talking about him and saying how dangerous he was to the division and to anybody that was, you know, at the top of, of my welterweight division. So, um, I remember the first time I said, uh, I'm going to have to fight this guy is when I rec- recognized that he was basically been put in line to fight for the IBF title. And uh, that's when I said, you know, you get the title and we'll fight. Talk to me about who he is. Who's Errol Spence as a fighter? You know, Errol Spence as a fighter, he's very, com- he's very uh, competitive. He, uh, he loves what he does. He loves fighting. He loves hurting people, um, which I appreciate. Because I know that that's going to make for excitement. That's going to make for a great fight, and that's what's going to make this the fight of the year. The fight that we, the the fact that we both uh, enjoy what we do. We both enjoy, you know, getting the best of whoever we're in the ring against. You know, so in a lot of ways, I think that he's a not just a, a tactical fighter, but he's very uh, mentally strong as well, which I appreciate. All right, you may not have been like best friends like some people have thought in the media, but you're cordial. You know each other. He talks about how he loves your dada. But that seemed to go from friends to like foes in about 15 minutes there at the first press conference. What went down there? It all went right out the window, didn't it? <laughs> um, you know what? I think we both understand where we're at right now. You know, he's 
I think you've heard a lot of fighters say that, you know, that this guy's trying to take food off of my plate. I think we're in a position now where we both understand that we have to win this fight. You know, I, I, I'm definitely under the understanding that I have to win this fight. So for me, it's not really so much what I say, but it's what I do. But I think that a part of him winning this fight is also what he says. So, uh, you know, you see us in the ring after my fight and, you know, I love you. I love your dad. You know, but I want to fight you, you know, and then the next thing you know, um, there's there's no friendly uh, chatter at all. It's all about the business. And, um, you know, I, honestly, I couldn't have, wouldn't rather have it any other way. Is there ever a word spoken before where you know that you have to do this for the pay-per-view fight? But, man, he bit off a little too much right there. Uh, there you know, the, yeah, they're, they're, it's right now it's hard to say who Errol Spence is. For me, at least, uh, you have, you know, seeing him getting in the ring with us, seeing, seeing and hearing the things that he said. Everyone knows what he says. Uh, then, you know, he has multiple videos, um, kind of trying to, uh, slander me for the sake of words, or down talk me, per se. Uh, then we pop out in Dallas and no one knows this, but, we run into him at the restaurant and again, we're, we're, we're buddy, buddy again. Um, no cameras around, uh, no media around, no one around to say, you know, this is how it will make him feel. He should act any other way. So, you know, in a lot of ways, he was that same amateur kid that my dad had gone on some trips with and, and, and coached in the corner with. And he, he was the same kid that I, I have known for a long time, you know, but, when the cameras come on, he changes. Um, Sean Porter is always going to be the same. You never have to guess or wonder what Sean Porter you're talking to. Um, but right now, I think that Errol Spence has a lot of questions that he's trying to figure out for himself. All right. We know Sean Porter, the fighter, because we've seen you in the big ones with Thurman, with Danny Garcia, and you're just coming off a title defense against your Dennis Ugas. But who are you right now as a fighter entering your first pay-per-view main event? You know what? Any legendary fighter you've ever seen, any top-notch fighter you've ever seen, anyone that is talked about for a long, long time that you saw show their heart in the ring and 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 and, and won over crowds and, and not only that, really, you know, destroy their opponents or make their opponents look bad or, you know, just really outclass their opponents. That's who I am. Right now as a fighter, I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to leave uh, such a grand mark uh, in my era, uh, I will not be denied. And I think that that's what makes me so good as a fighter, so um, great as a fighter. Sean, we've seen you be the mauling, almost brawler type. We've seen you be the clinical boxer at other times. I'm sure that's an advantage, the fact that your opponent is not going to know what's coming. But have you figured out who you are going to be against Errol Spence? The short answer is I plan to be at all. Uh, the short answer is I, I think it takes me being everything that I've ever been to be Errol Spence. It takes me being um, an aggressive, uh, will not stop kind of fighter, uh, 100 plus punches around. But it's also going to take me using my feet, using my hand speed, using my, my ring intelligence, uh, my reflexes, uh, making the right decisions, throwing the right punches at the right time, you know, knowing when to uh push forward and went to 
be a counterpuncher, all of that. Everything that you've seen me do against Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, uh, Adrian Granados, Andre Berto, uh, most recently, Yudinis Ugas. I'm going to do all of that to beat Earl Spence. Straight up, is this the toughest fight of your career? It is. You know, and, and, and I've thought about it. You know, that's the, the correct answer should be this is the toughest fight of my career. You never want to take any steps back. You never want to get complacent as a, in training. You, you, and, and if I'm not complacent in training, if I'm not uh, staying at one level in training, then I shouldn't be at one level in an actual fight. So every fight is supposed to be a, a step up. Every fight is supposed to be uh, another challenge that was greater than the challenge before it. So, yes, this is the toughest fight of, of my career so far. Um, and I expect the one after this to be even tougher. You are two super elites going against each other. So when we break you down, we're talking about a fine-tooth comb to separate who has the advantages. So with that in mind, to win fights this big, the toughest of your career, do you need to risk a knockout loss in order to win? Like in these cases, how much are you thinking about the idea that you might need to risk it all to potentially win this? You know, I have to disagree. I don't think that, you know, I think that as long as I go in uh, with the with the right game plan, which I expect to do, I go in with my head on right, the way I expect to do, uh, and I and I remain smart and, and on my toes the entire fight, you know, be as close to 100% as I can be, I don't think it's going to take me risking getting knocked out in order to win a fight. I think it's going to just take me doing all the right things. And I think that I have every component that it takes not just to beat Errol Spence but you know you've heard him say I want it I want this fight to be easy I'm expecting the same thing I'm expecting to be so fast so quick so sharp that at some point I just leave him behind um and and I and I just reign as a supreme competitor that night and I, I think that that's all it takes to win this fight I don't think it takes me getting in there and throwing my chin out there or or swinging nonstop or anything like that to, to, to beat Errol Spence. I just think it takes me being as close to 100% as I can be. And, uh, I've gotten there very close, very, uh, quite a few times. And so, uh, I know that I can, I can reach that, that point again. So Spence got labeled early as the kind of boogeyman of this division that nobody wants to fight. So outside of machismo, Besides the fact that you're a professional fighter, what gives you that confidence to so willingly go into this fight and say, I want this to be an easy night for me? It may end up being an easy night for me. You know what? It's me. I, I think I know what I can do. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's a blessing that no one's ever seen all of Sean Porter on one fight. And so that makes it tough for anyone to prepare for. You know, I think it was tough. For your Dennis, I even asked your Dennis Ugas, you know, hey, you were expecting me to come a certain way for, for quite a few rounds, weren't you? And he said, yeah, I was expecting that. Um, it's really tough for guys to get prepared for me, you know? So I think that myself alone, understanding my capabilities and what I can do, um, especially when I'm focused and, and locked and loaded and, 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 and ready for the world, I think that that's why I'm, I'm so confident and even taking on a guy who's considered to be the, the boogeyman in my division. When you are labeled the boogeyman like Spence is, people are going to say that this is the best guy. So in some ways, you, you can get overrated with a label like that. And I want to ask you, is Errol Spence overrated at all in the eyes of the media? Well, you know what? I've been there before. 
you know, um, I had a really great fight uh, winning my first championship against Devin Alexander. Uh, basically, uh, I pointed him for 12 rounds. And then right after that fight, I had a, a big, big knockout against Paulie Malignaggi. No one had seen Paulie get knocked out the way that I knocked him out, you know, get get hurt the way that I hurt him. And right after that, everyone coined me, you know, the most dangerous guy in the division, you know. So I know what that feels like to be that, that guy who everyone is regarding as the guy who is unstoppable. Um, was I overrated at the time? No, I was not. Uh, <laughs> did it allow me to make some mistakes? Yes, it did. So that's what I'm counting on. I'm not counting on um, the public over overrating Errol Spence. I'm counting on Errol Spence to overrate Errol Spence. And uh, I'm, I'm counting on that to, to be a surprise to him when we get in the ring and he, he doesn't handle me the way he's handled the other, what, 24, 25 uh, other opponents he's had. Sean, I couldn't help but notice the security around you here on the way to the press conference. Is there any chance that the mono mano nature of this with Team Spence will potentially spill over? You know what? We, we, we're not concerned with Errol Spence and, and, and Team Spence. Uh, Spence, for the most part, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a young kid, but he's very professional and mature for his age. Uh, he's not going to act outside of, him, of himself, and nor am I, nor, nor is my team. Um, and don't get it twisted. We know his family. We know his team. You know, we, we, we do have uh, high respect for them as well as uh, a, a friendship with those, with those, those guys. Uh, the security that we have is, is simply a precaution that my dad has uh, requested for some things on the outside of this sport that are, that are going on right now um, surrounding him and, and, and potentially myself and, and our team. The comment that jumped out at me when you went head-to-head in the press conference in Las Vegas, he said specifically, Sean, you try to box me and I'll knock your ass out. What does that mean? You know, I think that he's, when, when I heard him say that, I think, number one, he's trying to intimidate me. I think, number two, he may even believe that uh, me trying to box him from the outside and not being aggressive may be the best chance he has to win the fight, you know, so... Uh, at the end of the day, the jaw jabbing and, and, and the talking, that's all supposed to be the psychological uh, game that will get your guy uh, outside of himself, uh, make him question himself, uh, maybe even make him go back to the drawing board and, and, and rethink his game plan. Uh, that's not happening on this side of the ring. Having been friendly with him in the past, you know, when he was an amateur and you were almost like an older brother figure in a sense. The older brother always seems to have extra tricks. So what is Errol Spence not seeing in Sean Porter when he thinks this is going to be as easy of a time as he has had fighting? Yeah, again, I, I just spoke on him being mature. He's, he is a very mature kid. Um, you know, I, I think he's 28. I'm, I'm sorry if I call him a kid, but, you know, yeah, in a lot of ways we... we because of the game we're in, you're supposed to be young and, and youthful to do this. So we always refer to one another as kids. However, when we get in the ring, again, I'm, I'm counting on his immaturity, his inexperience in the ring. I've had a lot of experiences uh, as a professional, uh, abroad in the amateurs, as an as a, uh, international competitor, uh, numerous U.S. Ch- uh, teams, so on and so forth. So I do expect his immaturity to to kind of set in once things aren't going his way. 
And I think that uh, you, you talk about big brother, little brother. We do have a situation right here where, you know, when the, when the little brother can't get to the big brother, he gets really ruffled up and really uneasy and starts to uh, get wild and, and, and crazy. And I'm expecting for that to happen in this fight. You lost a great fight to Keith Thurman. I mean, on the highest level, on CBS, in front of 5 million people. It's like a borderline pay-per-view fight. So what do you learn from getting that close in a big fight that now a couple years later you're using to, to, to get a different outcome this time around? Yeah, I mean, definitely tactically, uh, there was a lot to learn in my fight against Keith Thurman, you know, between when it comes to making a separation between winning and losing that fight. And I think that that fight helped me grow as a fighter. I think I, I was able to watch that fight and just see some of the small, detailed adjustments and small, detailed mistakes that were made uh, on my behalf. And I think that, you know, I've come a long way since 2016. I've grown since 2016. I've matured in the ring since 2016 against my in my fight against Keith Thurman. So I think that, you know, a lot of those lessons that I've learned will, will definitely become evident in this fight against Errol Spence. Again, they're all mental adjustments uh, that, that have been made since my fight with Keith Thurman. So there's no one thing to really point out in my fight against Keith Thurman for you to see, like, okay, this is one adjustment that's going to be, that I'm going to make between fighting Keith Thurman and fighting Errol Spence. But most of it is definitely mental. What does this fight mean at this point in your career? You know what? I think when this guy, Errol Spence, again, is regarded as the, the top guy in the division, he's the boogeyman, he's the number one guy, and, you know, he's just got to get another belt or two for him to be coined. And, and, and regarded as the number one guy, I think when you take down that, that big lion, I think that, that, uh, that changes a lot. It changes, uh, history. It changes, um, the landscape of the division where everyone expects things to go right now, you know? So I know I'm regard, I, I'm considered to be the underdog in this fight. I'm not considered to win this fight. Excuse me. But, you know, um, I'm always down for a surprise. What advantages, if any, are you able to gain from the fact that your dad, who was your trainer, was very close to Spence and had that relationship? My dad, uh, and I and I agree with him. My dad feels that he knows how Errol Spence thinks. He feels that he knows how Errol Spence reacts, and he thinks he has a good, um, has really good insight on Errol Spence's um, mental game. And I think that that's going to play a major role in this fight. Um, everyone wants to know, is it more physical or is it more mental? And the honest answer to that is you never really know. Um, sometimes it becomes, it becomes more mental. Sometimes it becomes more physical. Uh, we're doing everything we need to do from a physical standpoint to be ready for this fight. And I think when we have a, a another edge, uh, on this guy from a mental standpoint, just from knowing how he is and how he reacts and how he's going to react and how he's going to feel and think, uh, that puts us in a great position for this fight. Sean, you've broken guys' wills before. I always bring up that Birdo fight as a great example where we watched a physical, strong fighter and Andre break right in front of you. Can Errol Spence be broken in that same way? Any fighter can be broken. It all depends on what you're doing to break that fighter. Um, Sometimes staying away from a guy can break a fighter. If that guy can't touch you, if that guy can't 
uh, hit you the way he's known himself to hit everybody he's been in the ring with. That alone will break a fighter, you know. So I'm expecting to break Errol Spence in a lot of different ways. I'm expecting this to be um, that fight that has become a wake-up call for him in his career. What was your opinion of Errol's victory over Mikey Garcia? He did a fantastic job. Uh, I, I was actually in disagreement with my other strength and conditioning coach. You know, he said, well, I saw this and I saw that. I don't think Errol Spence did this. I don't think Errol Spence did that. I'm on the other side. I'm in the ring. I know what it takes to win a fight. So I'm looking at it like he did everything he had to do to win that fight. I thought he uh, he won just about every round. And, uh, he, you know, he showed a lot in that fight as well. You know, he showed that <clears throat> he's a smart fighter. He showed that, you know, he he's willing to do the things that most people don't expect him to do, you know. So when I say this is going to be the fight of the year, I'm not hyping this up, man. This is... Uh, this is two of the, the greatest fighters of this generation getting in the ring, uh, in the same ring against one another in the same night. So this is going to be great. Sean, the welterweight division has always been special historically. We can think of the 80s of Leonard and Hearns, the De La Hoya Trinidad group of the 90s. I mean, this one's a pay-per-view main event, but it's also a welterweight unification. It could be one of those fights that we remember, not just because of your star power, but because of everything else. How much do you think of that? Oh, 100%. I think that this fight, along with this division, has all of uh, the makeup and, and things that it needs to make it uh, a, a era-defining um, moment in boxing. Uh, this is going to be, uh, or has been, if not going to be, uh, a generation in the era of boxing that will be remembered for an extremely long time, a lot like you just named. We're in 2019 now, and you're talking about uh, a, a generation from the 80s, a, a select group from the 80s, and uh, that's what this is now. This is going to be a select group that will be remembered and, and spoken about for years and years and years to come, not only because of um, the action inside of the ring, but also because of the names that, are in this division and 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 the and the and the talent that's in this division right now. It's a very very special time for this division and for boxing. Your win over Ugas last fight looks great to me, especially because he bounced back with a big win since then. But there were some that didn't think you did enough that you almost took a shot at having the judges maybe prefer him instead of finishing strong. How do you respond to that criticism? Oh, you know what we did what we had to do to win the fight. At the end of the day, my job is to win. My job is to listen to my corner, make the adjustments that my corner is telling me to make, and um, stick with what's working. And that's what we did. Um, hey, you can say we left it close for the judges. The judges did the right thing, in my opinion, in my team's opinion. And, uh, you know, you just move forward. When you move forward, you make more adjustments, and you come back greater than you were before. You know, so, again... Uh, your, your Dennis Ugas didn't expect me to do the things that I did. It took him five or six rounds to make one adjustment, you know? So, uh, we're looking at the exact same thing, different package, but coming from Errol Spence. We're looking at coming out in the way that he doesn't expect us to come, making the adjustments that, that we need to make, and, uh, and winning this fight, and, you know, whether it's the judges or whether it's the knockout. We're looking at winning this fight and leaving this ring as the unified champion September 28th. I'm looking forward to it.
All right, I just wanted to ask you, you've been in big fights before, but you look back, you're fighting at the Staples Center on pay-per-view, a kid from Ohio. Do you ever sit back and think, how did I get here? Do you ever think and look around at where you are? I'm telling you, man, when 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 I was at, it's my whole thing, it's even before I was a professional, I would go to fights and I would look around and I just would gauge the crowd, gauge the, the energy of the crowd, look at the stadium and, 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 and I would imagine myself being in, in those rings and in those moments. Uh, I did that time and time again when, when Mayweather fought. I just thought that it was unbelievable the kind of fans he had in the seats and, and so on and so forth. So when I found out that this fight was going to be at the Staples Center, I almost lost it. From I just was filled with excitement and I couldn't believe it. I, and I'm still in a lot of ways at, at all at the moment surrounding this fight, uh, pay-per-view status and, and just everything that I, I, I've wanted and, 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 and I love to do. It's all coming to right now in this moment. I'm enjoying it. All right, special thanks to Sean Porter. Rafe, he's a great professional talker. He's a TV star. I do want to point in, in to one thing he talked about and sort of get your comment on that, Rafe. I mean, he says every man can be broken. Errol's no different. I mean, that, that, well, that's part of the key to this fight that we are going to find out. But ultimately here, Rafe, when we're talking about what version Sean will be, that's the hook to this whole fight, really. And his answer was, short answer, I plan to be all. I plan to be, I plan to, to, to use my feet, hand speed, ring intelligence, reflexes, counterpuncher. Sometimes I'll push forward. I plan to be it all. Rafe, are you at a point right now when you look at this Porter Spence fight that Sean has any other chance but full-on raging bull? Or are you of the belief that Sean could alter and F around and mix it up and constantly be giving another look and play spoilers some rounds and attack other rounds? That there's some sort of magical combination of all his skills that can keep Errol off base enough to have a chance to make a case at a scorecard? Um... I think that's possible, the latter scenario, Brian. I'm not going to say it's impossible. It is, uh, and it sounds like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having that in his head as on the table as something he would like to do. And it makes sense. Look, he can he can fight in very in a few different styles. We've seen it. I, so I, I tend to think that the mauling version of Sean Porter is the most effective, uh, but he's he's pulled out fights. Doing more of the mix and match, a little bit of boxing and pun, a little bit of boxer puncher, or not really puncher, but just you know, he's 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 won with he beat Danny Garcia and then got the decision over Ugas with that less mauling style. So he can do it, and he can do it at a high level. Because Rafe, I'm going to stop you and interject and say this: when I asked him that question about. Do you think you'll have to risk it all to win this fight and mm. risk being KO'd on a pay-per-view at the highest level? He almost got a little bit, like, not mad, but disappointed at the what that question was really asking. That question was really asking, like, hey, Sean, is is there any fear Porter's going to, you know, Spence's going to be so good that, that you you know, you have a chance to lose it all here by trying to win. And that's when he was like, no, I disagree with that. If I go in with the right game plan, this could be an easy fight for me. You know, I got to be on my toes. I got to be smart. I've got everything it takes to, to outquick him and outthink him. 
that was where I got a little nervous for Sean. Is there a part of him potentially here, Rafe, as a big underdog that thinks their skills are closer than they actually are and might need to be woken up from that? Or does he know something we all don't? Is it a shorter distance from the lip to the cup? I know you don't know what that means, but like, I mean, like, is it one of those things where we're all saying Spence by murder, Errol Spencer, it don't make sense. But look, he's like, dude, I fought Thurman. I fought everyone. I fought Brooke. I fought all these guys. I know I'm going to be in this fight. You guys could all go to hell. He could be in the in the fight, yes, while losing it. Like I don't. But I look. Sean Porter is in an interesting position because I think that he is, at the same time, overall underrated by fans and media and not given quite as much credit as he's as he deserves because of his resume because he has fought everyone and he's beaten everyone except the very very best guys and has beaten and got the win over Danny Garcia I was asking I, that's that I shame on me earlier in the podcast I was like has he ever beaten one of these guys at, at the higher level yes he has he has that Garcia win close fight but you know I, I was okay with that card I think you I were scored there, it for him and so was I right? I remember I was there I, I, I remember I don't still have my scorecard in front of me um, but anyway, so he, I think is both underrated, but also is overrating himself. Like he, and so he, he, I think he's right to take a little bit of umbrage about not getting as much credit for being a really, really good fighter and a tough matchup for anyone because of his strength and the physicality he can bring. But the fact that yes, he can also box credibly and, and, give guys trouble that way even if i think with that he, he i just don't see him scoring as much or, or or bothering his opponents as much when he when he goes into sean porter the boxer mode is why i usually don't favor that from him but he does it he does he doesn't get outclassed ever when he does it um so i understand so he's both underrated and is kind of a little overrating himself here i think um well, but speak, look, of course of- he's got to be mad that that when you ask him, look, don't you agree that you kind of aren't in this guy's league? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a dick <laughs> if question. He, if yeah. he's like, yeah, you're kind of right, then then we got bigger problems here. Yeah. So it, look, his mindset is great going into this fight. It looks, it's it, everything sounds like he's been training well. He looks good and, uh, you know, he looks to be in in good shape. They say I I, don't, I haven't. This is WBC, so there should be. Uh, there should have been 30 day waits. There should have been uh, there maybe 10 day or seven day waits. I haven't seen them, but they probably are out there. And if it were, if he were way off weight, then probably someone would have reported it would have been a bigger deal already. So he seems on weight, good camp going to come with a game plan. And that's, I think the one interesting thing is the do, is there any amount of Kenny Porter Spent some time training Errol yes. Spence in the amateurs. And that's a big How, part of He these... knows him pretty well. Of course, years have passed. Errol Spence is going to have to prove himself to be a great pro. All right. That, that's but, a big part of both these interviews. Yeah. You just heard Porter's take on it. You'll hear Spence's in a minute. Spoiler alert, Spence is obviously like, dude, that's the amateurs. It's been so long. You know, they can do what they want with that information. It means nothing. But Porter is saying, look, my dad knows how Spence thinks. Porter's dad had been in his corner at a couple of amateur losses for Spence. So it led to Spence basically saying, I think every man can be broken. I think Spence can be broken mentally, but not from what you almost I'm, I'm trying to read through Porter's comments. I think Porter was saying, 
you think when when we talk about breaking him that it comes through pressure. But Porter said in that interview, I think people can be broken in different ways. Sometimes you can break a man when he can't hit you with the punches that he thinks he can. So that makes me wonder if Porter's trying to accidentally tell us that he's going to be darting in and out and staying outside from distance. I know he's got short T-Rex arms in some ways, may not be the best move, but he did say this quote, Rafe, in the interview. I'm not counting on the public to overrate Errol Spence. I'm counting on Errol Spence to overrate Errol Spence, and that will be clear to him when we get in the ring, and he doesn't handle me the way he has handled his 25 other opponents. Anything there, Rafe? I, I look. I, I think I mean, Spence says by, by away, murder. Basically, Spence is predicting him own self by murder. Nothing wrong with that. Fighters have been doing that for a very long time. And shoot, Errol Spence is damn good. I, I that, that he could pr- predict that in almost any fight and not be too far off the uh, the consensus opinion. Um, uh, I like Porter's confidence. I like how he he whether or not. Well, okay, we've seen people do that. We saw Mikey Garcia do this, too, to some degree, right? Mikey saw something, right? Oh, I see something. There's, there's something I can exploit here. This guy might not be as good as he thinks or people think he is. Then that fight happened, and what happened to Mikey? He, he didn't bring that same energy like like Errol like Era was saying in PVC Face to Face, hosted whoa. by Brian Campbell. Whoa, look and, at this. And... Maybe Sean Porter is doing the same thing where he sees, knows something from the past and is like, no, 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 I'm more in this than people think. And kudos to him. You know, you got you to gotta be confident. You got to believe in yourself going into this. But I don't agree. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think he's right. If he really thinks he sees something that he's going to make Errol Spence miss and frustrate him like that all night, well – he got to go in there and execute that, and that is really tough. And if he does shoot, that it'll be he'll he'll win fighter of the year on the spot I from was... a lot of people for pulling something like that off. All right, I'll say this: I've talked to Porter uh, on the set of PBC Face to Face, a service I host, about his big fights, and he said before the Thurman fight, he made a decision while walking to the ring that like I'm walking through everything tonight. And if you look back on that fight. He did bulldozer style. He he did his style. Went to the body, just mauled, attacked. He took some big shots from Keith and had a shot at winning that, right? They went to the cards. He lost 15-13 basically across the board. He had a good shot at winning that. Do you think Spence is that much bigger of a puncher compared to Thurman that for all this Spence by murder talk, including Spence himself, that um, Porter already knows if I bite down, I see all those punches coming at me and I'm willing to take the abuse. Dude, I'm making it to that 12th round. I got a shot to win this. People wake up. Uh, I do think that Spence is a bigger puncher or a better finisher or whatever at this division than than Keith Thurman is. I think that he's more dangerous. What? More precise. He'll turn Not necessarily more precise. I think that he's 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 act. It's just that he's he has a better body attack. Yes, he is more punishing. I one punch power. Maybe Keith Thurman is better, maybe or has more. You know, because Thurman ha- will will catch guys with some just beautiful, uh, like really really flashy hard hard shots. Um, but 
he's not he he's not he doesn't beat opponents down like Errol Spence does. And that's the body attack. That's you know when he comes up top. That's his size overall, which is gonna you know. And now I mean, look, Sean Porter is coming down from fighting as a middleweight as an amateur. Started his pro career at 154, even he for his short fought, stature. He fought Usyk in the amateurs. He beat Usyk in the amateurs. Single uh, kebab. Wow. But Errol Spence at this, at a, assuming they both show up in the ring at 147 pounds, Errol Spence is a big, dangerous dude, man. He's and wired I, differently. I, he's just why he's that dude, man. You know, we used to say David Lemieux comes to your podcast to do two things, right? And one of them is take your lady. When Spence walks into the ring, he's only thinking about two things. It's a simple concept: bitches and cigarettes. Everybody's happy. Exactly, Rafe. <laughs> Brian, I know you don't know what that means. I, I look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I indulge in neither. Um, but Brian, what do you make of the Kell Brook common opponent stuff? Or you think that Brook was past it because he was coming off that loss to Triple G when Spence beat him? I want to say yes, in that it had an impact, and certainly once Spence broke his eye socket, and just to remind you what Roy Jones said on the show, you know how hard you have to hit a man to break his eye? I wonder if that sped up his exit, but go back and revisit that collaboration. In the first six rounds, the fight was basically even, and Brooke at times was giving it to Spence, and that was the, the that's what we, re, where we really learned who Errol was. I know you didn't watch PBC Countdown, a service I was a part of, along with uh, Dan Canobio and that other dude from the... What's that guy's name? You're going to have to tell me a little bit more about him. The dude, the African-American boxing writer from, like, the New York something who was on the fight game with Jim Lampley. Kalefa Sana. Yes, I never know how to pronounce that. New Yorker. That. Yeah, he's good on that show, too, and we broke all that down. But uh, I think yes and no. Yes and no, Rafe, to, to your question, okay? Is there yes a, and no. Is there a middle ground? Think... Is there a combination of yes and no that, that makes sense? Um, no, no, there isn't, right. but yes and no, well, I, the answer, in the middle, maybe, maybe, um, I don't know. I think Brooke came into that Spence fight pretty darn good. And I thought that he, the win that he had over Sean Porter kind of, kind of lays this out. Like you're right. Maybe he was right. strong enough to deal with the mauling. He outboxed him. I think that Sean Porter is going to face a better a guy who does what Kell Brook did to him. All right, don't get too even deep into better. Here, all right, don't get too deep into it. All right, we got to give That's Porter his saying. respect. Okay, Sean Porter has some big, big balls for getting in the ring with Spence because Spence looks so good. He did. He did. Now we're going to talk to Spence. Now we're going to hear from the man right now coming at you. It's ES, the truth. Enjoy. All right, Errol, can you give us a quick history of your dealings with the Porter family from boxing to friendship? Um, well, Sean Porter's dad took me to a lot of international tournaments as an amateur, so he was overseas a lot, and he used to be like in a lot of the amateur camps that happened in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center, and um, Sean actually helped me get ready for the Olympics. It was a couple of professional guys, you know, Kid Chalky, Adrian Bronner, um, Sean Porter, and other guys that came to the training center to spar with us, and, uh, you know, Sean was one of them. We got a few rounds in, and, um, you know, basically Kenny's dad, you know, he was a coach, so uh, we we created a friendship. Errol, how would you classify your relationship with Sean personally before this fight was announced, and how has it changed since that point? Oh, uh, man, Kenny always been cool. Uh, man, Kenny always been cool. Like I said, you know, 
went to a lot of trips together and a lot of camps together. So, you know, we always talked and things like that. You know, Sean always been a cool guy. Um, you know, every time we see each other, you know, we chop it up, talk, you know, mutual respect and uh, things like that. So, um, you know, it's always been cool with us. Is there a conversation that you guys have at any point after the fight is signed where it's like we both know it's going to get serious from here on out? We're going to go from friendly to foes. Do you talk about that in advance or does it just change naturally? Oh, that's just the competitive spirit of, uh, of myself and him. You know, it's something that, you know, we might be friends. I might be cool with his dad, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to lose. And, you know, my dream is to be a unified champion and then in the future become the disputed champion of the world. So I have to get through him. And um, I believe I'm loyal to my dream and something I've been working hard for for a long time, more than, you know, our friendship. So, you know, I'm a guy that's going to put our friendship to the side and, you know, we'll pick back up after the fight, and I'm, it's guaranteed we'll have more respect for each other after the fight. What has Sean said up to this point that's gotten under your skin through any of the media or press conferences? Uh, nothing really. I mean, Sean, pretty much, you know, a respectful guy. You know, he, he might say a little, a little things here and there that you know that may you know agitate me a little bit, but for the most part, you know, he's a. Uh, He's, he's being respectful, you know, like you said, you know, he's going to look for the knockout. You know, I'm looking for the knockout too, so you know, I know he's a guy that's going to come ready to fight. He's going to, you know, give it his all and, you know, try to make it an ugly, rough fight. You made a specific comment at that Vegas press conference. Sean, if you come out and try to box me, I'm going to knock your ass out. Tell me about that. Um, You know, basically, you know what I meant. You know, I'm a guy, you know, a few words, and, you know, when I do say something, you know, I mean it and I stand on it. You know, I don't take back anything. So, you know, I meant that, you know, if he tries to box me, you know, I'm going to punish him, you know. You know, even if he move forward, you know, it's going to be the same outcome anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword for him either where it goes. <laughs> the boxes or, you know, he try to, try to bang and try to fight. Let's talk about your first pay-per-view headlining role against Mikey Garcia. What kind of statement did you make with that performance? Um, Just my skill set. Um, I think a lot of reporters and, you know, so-called, you know, boxing experts, you know, thought that, you know, Mikey Garcia had a better skill set than me. And it felt like, you know, if I tried to box him or I tried to, you know, basically have a battle of the minds, a mental fight with him, you know, he would be the better man. I basically showed that, you know, I was mentally better than him physically, you know, skill set, talent, you know, just all across the board. You know, I was a better fighter. Errol, were you going for the knockout against Mikey? Were you upset you didn't get it? Oh, I wasn't upset I didn't get the knockout. Uh, you know, I'm a guy, I can get the knockout if I wanted to. With me, it was just more about showing my skill set, showing my, my talent and just, you know, my boxing ability. So, you know, I wasn't too, I wasn't too worried about getting the knockout. I wasn't mad that I didn't get the knockout. How much do you think about becoming a star in the sport, a pay-per-view attraction where... Does this? What does this fight do for your brand in terms of really crossing over beyond boxing? Um, just getting a, a spectacular performance. Um, you know, becoming that pay per view star, becoming that crossover athlete, you know, means a lot. And um, you know, I think it starts with you know basically with every fight and uh, just putting on great performances and you know great showing. So I think this is a start. You know, me becoming you know a real pay-per-view star and a guy that's known, you know, as an athlete, not just, 
you know, as a boxer. So, you know, with me beating them up and getting a spectacular performance, I think, you know, I'm definitely on the verge of becoming, you know, the face of boxing. You think you're ready to become the face of boxing right now? Um, definitely. I think, you know, it's all, you know, timing is everything. And I believe, you know, at this moment, you know, especially with the Garcia fight and this fight now, and, you know, I think I need, you know, one more big fight. Hopefully, you know, the Manny Pacquiao fight. You know, I, I think if I get that fight, you know, it's kind of how, you know, Floyd fought De La Hoya and became a star of his own and became, you know, his own pay-per-view, you know, star and just, you know, basically transcending to, you know, what De La Hoya was. When you look at Sean, WBC champ, age 31, at his peak, who is he right now as a fighter to you? I think he's a fighter that, that's, you know, just... You know, rough, rugged, you know, he's a guy that, you know, fight the best boxers that's, that's right there right now. And, uh, you know, he wants to be the best. He wants to fight the best. He wants to be in exciting fights. I think he get his blood going just thinking about being in an exciting fight. So, you know, I think, you know, he always been that same guy, even as, a, as an amateur, you know. He try to make it exciting and as rough as, as he can. Porter's evolved in, to show you different types of styles lately. It was different when he walked down and mauled Andre Berto because then he comes out and he outboxes Danny Garcia. What version of Sean Porter do you expect to see, and which one do you want to see? Um, I would say I expect the rough Sean Porter. Um, you know, you can say he evolved, but, you know, for the good, or was it, you know, for the worse? Because even Danny, Gar- Danny Garcia fight, it was a... He barely won that fight, the Ugas fight. He barely won that fight trying to box. So, you know, I think, you know, he's going to come forward and try to make it rough and, you know, throw a lot of punches and, you know, be in the best shape possible. Errol, we asked Sean about your weaknesses, and he feels confident entering this fight against you, the noted boogeyman. He said it comes down to the mental game in the end, and he feels like he can break you in many ways, but specifically mentally. How do you respond to that? Um... I mean, if he thinks that way, then uh, he'd be in for a rude awakening. You know, I'm a guy that's very mentally tough. You know, it shows with the Kellbrook fight. You know, even fighting at home, you know, in front of that many fans and, you know, on that type of, you know, stage shows my mental capability. So, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, that if he thinks that's going to happen. You know, we'll find out September 28th, can he break me mentally? And ironically, I think I can break him mentally and physically and just, you know, break him down all around and just get the stoppage. So we'll see. It will be a mental war. It's always a mental war when you get into a fight, especially a fight of this magnitude. How much of an advantage could the Porters have by knowing you and having been in your corner and having sparred against you in the past? That was a long time ago. I was still an amateur. Um, He was a professional, so I think my skills and my talent just, you know, my – my, my mentality changed a lot, so I mean, I don't think they remember the sparring, but they do. I mean, they can't they can't go off of that at all. Errol, what was your last loss of any kind? My last loss was in the Olympics, where I lost in the quarterfinals to Russia. Was Kenny Porter in your corner for your last loss? No, he wasn't in my corner. Kenny told us to ask you how many people have been in Errol Spence's corner when he, when he's lost, and Kenny said he's been there a few times. What do you think he's saying when he says that? Um, he's not as good as coach as he think he is. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I usually, you know, win. So if he's been in my corner where I lost, then, you know, I think 
you know, he's not as good as he think he is because, you know, with Barry Hunter and a lot of other coaches, you know, I have a winning record with them. So, you know, I guess we don't mesh out as good as he thinks we did. I want to talk to you about your personality because you're calm and cool right now, but I saw you go from 0 to 60 in that first press conference with Sean Porter in Vegas. I saw you backstage one time in Brooklyn in Adrian Broner's face going from 0 to 60. What's inside Errol Spence that allows you to change like that? For the most part, I'm a calm guy, but, you know, like I, like you said, you know, I can, you know, you know, turn it up if I have to, especially, like I said, I don't talk trash, but if somebody come at me, you know, I can come right back easily. So, you know, I feel like, you know, that helps me a lot, especially in the ring. You know, if somebody, you know, being rough or, or rugged, I can get rough and rugged too. If somebody get dirty, I can get dirty too. So, you know, that's just, a, you know, so to say, the feistiness and, you know, the mean street that I think, you know, every fighter has, no matter what their mannerism is. Do you think maybe because you're so polite and calm that people kind of overlook the potential dog inside of you? Um, I think so. You know, I think so for the most part. But, you know, anybody who knows me know that, you know, I have a lot of dog in me. You know, I'm a guy that always come to fight. You know, I'm a guy that's going to do what it takes to win. So, you know, I think a lot of these boxers, you know, don't take it for granted because a lot of them knew me through the amateurs and, you know, been into a lot of camps where I sparred a lot of guys and been seeing me fight and spar a lot. So they know that. And they talk to me, they've been around me, so they know, know, yeah, he's a calm, collected guy, but, you know, it's like a light switch for him. He can turn it off and on at ease. Is this a dangerous trek to walk for Sean And that if he plans to stay in your head too long, is there a potential price he could pay for that? Oh, no, because it's going to be a price to pay anyway, (laughs) September 28th. So, you know, no matter what he does, you know, I'll be ready. um, And, um, you know, I I already have it in my head that, you know, I want to punish Sean and, you know, want to get an impressive knockout. So, I mean, nothing that he can say can, you know, stop me from what I'm thinking and what's my mentality comes September 28th. So, I mean, he can only talk more trash and just make me train harder and be more focused. You look back at your relationship, you know Sean, but when was the first time that seed really planted in your head that I may have to fight this guy? Oh, um, I've always been like that. Um, you know, since I turned pro, you know, he's been fighting in 47. I knew that, you know, one day I was going to fight Sean Porter. So, um, you know, it's been playing in my head for a long time. So, you know, it's something that I was looking forward to even, you know, being cordial with him and being cool. All right, you said you want this to be an easy night, but Sean basically said the same thing. And when you put two elites together at this level for this kind of stakes, it becomes a fight that the fans, they want a dog fight. What type of dog is potentially inside of Sean compared to what's inside of you? Well, I mean, with Sean saying he thinks it's going to be easy tonight, you know, he's lying. I mean, Sean never been in, in an easy fight. So so with him even saying that it's going to be an easy fight, you know, that's not in his style. Even if it could be an easy fight, he'll make it a rough fight and make it rough, rugged, and make it a, you know, make it a dog fight. So, I mean... He knows that he's not telling the truth. He thinks he's going to be an easy fight. So, I mean, I just can expect to. I know it's going to be a rough fight, but, you know, I could potentially make it an easy fight if I just listen to my coach and just follow the game plan and do what I know I can do. Is Sean Porter a dirty fighter? Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, much this gentleman that, you know, he pretends to be outside the ring. 
I mean, inside the ring, you know, he's dirty, he's rough, he's a guy that, you know, will use elbows, will headbutt, you know, you know, basically use anything to get to pull out a victory, you know. It works for him. You know, he's a champion for a reason, you know, he showed in the Andre Berto fight, you know, cutting with elbows and headbutts, you know, even in the Devin Alexander fight, so He's a guy that can be rough if you let him. Talk about the last part of that phrase, if you let him. How do you prepare for that style? Um, you know, I, we we got a, you know, we got some stuff up our up our sleeve, you know, different tricks and things like that. Just you know, to offset him and you know, not make him want to get in there. So, I mean, if he does get in the inside and he does be rough, uh, we got a lot of different tricks and, and things that that I make him think about doing. Sometimes you don't really find out how great a fighter is until they're forced to pull everything they have inside out of them. How much of Errol Spence have you been forced to show up to this point? Um, I think my best is yet to come. Um, you know, I think Sean Porter might can bring out, you know, some different traits and and you might see, you know, something different. A guy that, you know, backing Sean Porter up, a guy who's, you know, beating him up mentally and physically and, um, you know, just you know, walking through him. So, you know, you might see something different. You might not, you know. It's up to him to, you know, bring out the best in myself. How much will size play a factor in that? I don't know. Um, I think maybe for the jab and things like that. But I think, you know, for the most part, you know, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be an inside fight and things like that. So I don't think size will play that much of a di- different because Sean used to fighting guys that's bigger than him, that's taller than him, that's has a body mass that's larger than him. So, you know, I don't think it'll play that much of a difference. All right, let's play psychiatrist. We talked about it. Sean looks at you. He says he'll make it an easy night. What is he not taking into consideration when he says things like that? Oh, I mean, I think he's just talking. I mean, a lot of times he backtracks and says it's going to be a tough fight and it's going to be an entertaining fight and, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. So, I mean, you just got to catch him on different days and, you know, he'll have a different he'll have a different um, view on the fight. So, I mean, I think, you know, he's just really just talking. So you're the boogeyman of this division. You're the guy that's waiting to officially, we've been waiting to officially say you're the best fighter in the world. Sometimes when you have that greatness uh, given to you early, your biggest enemy can end up being yourself. And now that you're a pay-per-view fighter, how have you had that battle fame and almost fight against yourself to stay this good? Um, it's definitely a battle. Um, you know, you, you know, more fame, more recognition, you know, more money to do what you want. You know, it's, it's definitely a battle. I think it's something that, you know, everybody deal with. But, um, you know, it's on you. That's what, you know, greatness come around and, you know, longevity, you know, like Floyd. You know, you look at guys like Floyd and other great, you know, fighters, you know, they have all this stuff in front of them. And, you know, when it's time to lock down, it's time to train hard, it's time to stay focused, you know, they put their work hat on and, um, you know, they do what they have to do to look great in the ring. The same thing with me. You know, I want to stay at the top of this sport. I didn't work this hard to be, get on top of the mountain and, um, you know, trip off a rock and fall out of way back down. So, you know, I know that. I know how hard it is to get to the top and I know how easy it is you know, the drop just like that. So, and I'm a guy that's focused and hungry and um, want to put on a great performance because it's a lot of great fights out there for me. And, um, you know, I want to have those fights. I want to be mentioned as all-time great. So, you know, 
know, this is another step to that, to that, to that ultimate goal of, you know, becoming a mega star and, you know, having all the top guys in, in not only my division, but in other weight classes calling me out and wanting to fight. Who is the best pound for pound fighter in the world right now? I would say the best pound for pound fighter in the sport right now is, uh, I would say Canelo. Why? Um, you just look at his body of work, the people that he fought, you know, even, you know, moving up to 68 to grab a belt and, um, you know, fighting at 60 and, you know, beating, tri beating Triple G and, um, you know, just, you know, all the names that's, that's on his resume, you know, I would say, you know, he's the best pound for pound fighter right now. And I think a lot of people give him that recognition. Where does Errol Spence fit in it? Um, I think I'm definitely top five. What is at stake for you in this fight overall? Um, everything. Um, you know, like I said, it's a huge fight. It's a unification fight. Um, against another champion. Um, the most recognized belt is the WC belt, and I'm fighting for that. It's something that you know every fighter wants, and every fighter recognizes. So, you know, I definitely want that belt, and uh, everything at stake. Other huge fights at stake, and uh, just you know, just being a legend overall and just the notoriety and you know and becoming you know a champion is at stake we're gonna sean porter rank among the best welterweights uh, sean porter is definitely top five i think you know with manny pacquiao performance you know to put him at at number two and uh me number one and i think sean's the third best when you talk about Canelo being the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter fighting in different weight classes, I know we heard Julian Williams call it your name at one point. Is there any thought about jumping up in weight if you take out Sean Porter? Uh, definitely. I think, you know, 154 is definitely a possibility. So, uh, you know, if there's an opportunity there and, um, you know, it's pleasing, I'll definitely jump up to 54 and fight, you know, fight one of the champions. So, We'll see. I mean, you know, Julian, I think, has another fight with her, and then he's trying to get that that fight with Jamil and uh, and Tony Tony Harrison, and then you know, hopefully, you know, I can make it happen. So, you know, one fifty four is definitely a jump that I'm willing to make. Errol, have you did you ever consider at any point Kenny Porter becoming your first pro trainer when you were coming out of the amateur? No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, it just never is something that, that they put in my head. I feel like, you know, I have one of the best coaches in boxing. Uh, you know, me and my coach mesh perfectly. And, um, you know, Kenny, I mean, style that he has with Sean Porter is, is not a style that I'm wishing to have or, you know, wishing to just even mimic. So, you know. Whatever they, they do, it works for them. And I think, you know, it, it's something that works for them only. Does Sean Porter respect you enough? Well, I, def I definitely think Sean Porter respects me. I think you know, he's a guy that respects all his opponents. Um, but, yeah, I think he respects me. If he don't, he will respect me September 28th. All right, special thanks there to Errol Spence. Rafe, I love, I love this dude. I love this dude because he's, he's so real. I mean, he's a he's 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 a gangster underneath. He, he Errol has a stick, Rave. He's got a backbone. He's so damn confident. Um, did you like that comment there, Rave? In which I asked him, "Hey, you know, all this talk about your history with Sean, have you ever 
did you ever consider having Kenny Porter as your as your coach when you turned pro? And he basically laughed and was like, no, no. He's like, you know, that style works for Sean, but it doesn't work for anybody else. And it certainly wouldn't want that style. And it certainly wouldn't work for me. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty funny right there. But the whole theme of that interview, the PBC face to face, which followed and any other stop on this media tour is that Spence straight up had made a decision that I will dismiss Sean at every turn. He was never rude. He was never over the top. But he's straight dismissive at any talk of this fight being great or competitive or anything, Rafe. From day one-ish, I'm going to stop this dude. You got to love that. Yeah. And these are guys who, you know, outside of the ring before this fight probably – are friendly or have known each other for a long time, have family. They, they like Errol Spence loves Sean Porter's daddy, but it, when it comes time to get it on, Errol Spence guy has to do what he has to do. Um, yeah, I, he's, I, I, I love him too. He's, right, what, he's a special, special fighter. What do you make of his comment? When I asked him, who's the pound for pound King, he says, Canelo, <laughs> he says, look, Canelo's moving up and down all the time. Canelo's fought everybody. And I said, well, where are you? And he's like, yeah, I'm in the top five. Now, now, for a dude who's so badass, and we just talked about it, he's also kind of like, I'm not that guy yet. What do you, is there? Am I looking too deeply here, or does he just really love him some Saul Canelo Alvarez? Oh, I, look, there's nothing wrong with that. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez, but Brian, I think that honestly, you know what I'm thinking there? It doesn't hurt to it does, if if this year is any indication. It seems like it doesn't hurt to be on Canelo's good side when oh. Canelo is looking for opponents. Oh, he, th- he sees that Canelo's willing to go uppity all the way to Sergei Kovalev. Maybe he would go not back down to Canelo weight. No, 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 no. But at least... No, he would just do... what he's, Canelo is saying right now that he will go back to 160. What if... I mean, look, oh Spence has God. been a Spence... very, very big... What if Spence moved up two weight divisions and challenged Canelo for the middleweight title in a... Oh, see, there's the issue, though. I was just going to say in a Fox slash what pay-per-view. You can't you can't inseminate, disseminate, consummate a Fox zone. Like, right? Like, like, Eddie Hearn had built this platform. Like, this platform doesn't... Like, like the male end... Like, like, wait, wait, hold on. Like, it's it's got to be your ball. The male end doesn't properly connect with the female end here, right? You're saying DAZN <laughs> and 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 uh, and linear television pay per view don't mix like two dicks and no chicks. Wow. Yeah. Like, you can't have a baby with that combination, right? Right. You can't have a fight either. Look, where there's a will, there's a way. I don't know if that applies to the first to, to, to this terrible analogy that we introduced <laughs> here, but in terms of a possible fight, who knows what's going to happen in the future? That fight would not be, it probably would not be a 2020 fight. It would, assuming that Spence is still looking to finish up some of the uh, the, the remaining business at 147, hopefully looking towards fighting Pacquiao or the winner of Pacquiao versus Danny or Mikey Garcia uh, sometime later next year. Hopefully at some point in our goddamn lifetimes, Whoa. him and Terrence Crawford will fight each other. Uh, if, if, if Errol Spence got through all that and then 
that would be another year or two down the line. Who knows where DAZN is at at that point in time? Yes, Canelo might still have a couple fights left, but DAZN still got to be around. We don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't hurt for Errol to start plant, laying those seeds, basically doing what Canelo just know the way that Canelo is looking ahead. Maybe Spence is also looking ahead to to a huge fight are you that he could make when Canelo's getting a little older. Are you inferring that? Um... Bob Arum will outlive the zone potentially. And once Canelo's golden boy deal is up, uh, uh, grandpa, you're next, my friend. And we make this, uh, we make the, we call up, you got to call up Mr. Cancer and we make this Rafe. Look, we don't, we don't, we, we've seen this before, right? Richard Shaver used to Shaver. Richard Shaver used to work for Golden Boy with Oscar De La Hoya, and then one day he turned around and left with all of the fighters. <laughs> so what if he's gonna do whatever? What if Eric Gomez yeah. does that? <laughs> Sorry, I hit that button of that woman talking to Bob. There, he was. Remember, he was. Remember how upset he was, Rafe? So obviously, he's gonna do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, fight. enough. All right, yeah. all right, all right, all right. Enough, what enough, a- enough, enough. Uh, meet me at the Philippine Grand Garden Hotel. Yes, Rafe, yes, yes. They accused me of <laughs> slut-shaming. <laughs> Never screwed so many women in my no. life. No. That pa- that pregnant pause, Rafe, right? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, wow, I, I okay. Don't prove. I don't prove. Uh, it's player, it's time. Player, this isn't round two or round three. You're running out of time. So, uh, so are we on this show. What's it look like? Porter Spence, tell me how it ends, who wins, and what it looks like. Rafe, bring it to me. I want the I want the whole thing. Okay. Um, I think that if Porter mauls, if he fights, if he fights just balls to the wall, old school Sean Porter, going to make you uncomfortable, get in your ass, do all those Sean Porter things. I think that could, that's that that version of this fight interests me. Because it's something we haven't seen Errol Spence deal with in the ring. Because no, you 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 cannot simulate that in the ring until it happens. Until you're dealing with Sean Porter, um, and we've seen that make fighters very uncomfortable. Very good fighters uncomfortable in the past because they're smothered. They can't get their shots off. He's smelling their musk, smelling their breath, <laughs> getting all up in there. I remember, I will never forget, I forget which, it was on the undercard of one of those early Barclays Center PBC cards when Porter beat Devin Alexander for that share of the welterweight title. The look on Devin's face during parts of that fight where he was just pinned to the ropes and Sean Porter had his like head just jammed into like Devin's neck. And You're in the wild every- part of the ring, Holmes. Yeah, and there were moments where Devin just had this look on his face like, this sucks. Get me out of here. This guy isn't even really hurting me right now, but I can't do anything, and I hate the experience I'm having right now. He isn't giving me a very unpleasant night at the office. Sean Porter can do that to people, and you have to be very strong and very precise. And and really, we have, the, only, the, the best we've ever seen someone deal with that version of Porter was – uh, was Kell Brook back when he beat him at StubHub. And do I think look, – look, so I think that's the version that I, gives us the, the most competitive 
fight, the one that makes Errol Spence have to figure out something. And when it gets there, I think Errol Spence figures it out. I think he has the strength. I think he has the body punching. I think he has the just everything he needs to take whatever whatever mauling Sean Porter might try and throw at him and discipline him to bring in the Max Kellerman term. Yes. Hurt him to the body. Keep him off Make his him front think, porch. Yo, I might have maybe I, maybe now I'll go box. Um and and then when that happens, I think Errol Spence uses his size, his height, his length, his jab, everything to to win from the outside too. I think that we, so, so let's let's say we get the version of Sean Porter that goes back and forth between styles. Maybe he starts off boxing. Well, if he starts off boxing, I think that Spence's jab, his is the, the 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 sort of the power he brings. The, he's perfect. Everything Rafe. he's perfect. He he's beats a, him. He beats he beats him that way. He's so a damn say two rounds too. into that. I mean, he's perfect. I'd like to create a scenario too where Porter has some confusing style for the first four rounds, and he hangs in there, and then he peppers a little bit. But then his goal is, you know what? Last five rounds, I'm bringing it. I I just damn, I just can't find it. I can't even. I was gonna try to hipster take you with like. Well, at least it's going to go the day. I don't even know if it goes the day. I don't even know. Rafe Spence is that guy. Finish your prediction. Yeah. Um, I think that it probably goes the distance uh, because Porter will have, like, if Porter, if Porter does box a bunch, then he probably avoids getting hurt, but doesn't do enough to win. And that would be worst case scenario for fans, right? where he is there to survive and hope he can win a decision and believes in his boxing skills more than he should and somehow doesn't realize that he almost man, lost that he doesn't fight. there's no is there any universe in which he has enough power to 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 not to to win by any other way than decision i like if he if he maul if he had the energy to maul for 12 rounds and spence just never figured out how to deal with it that's how he gets the decision but i don't think he's he's going to Stand that. Look, the 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 ver- that worked with with Danny Garcia because Garcia is waiting for you to jump in. He's yeah. way he, he's he's a counterpuncher. Spence can lead. He love he, that, that. Ain't no problem for Errol Spence. He'll just he'll just pump that jab, pump it more than once, and then as the fight goes on, maybe you're starting to break down. Maybe your face starts to break. Left start coming behind it. He'll throw it behind the guard. He'll he'll loop it around. He'll throw it straight. He'll dig to the body. He'll dig it again. Yeah, he'll dig it again. Um, He's going to beat this guy. He is. And it's I'm trying to talk myself into into different ways for no reason because the point is Spence is going to win this fight. He is that dude. Rafe, he has a chance to be the pound for pound decision. king. Wide decision. I'm saying like a 10-2 style decision. If he stops Sean Team- Porter, he could be the pound for pound king. He actually could, Rafe. No. No, yeah, no, no, no. look, would you say Porter's a quasi pound for pound guy? Like he's like ten no. to seventeen, somewhere between ten and seventeen in the ranking. Twenty to thirty. No, 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 Rafe, Rafe, no, 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 no. He beat Ugas and Danny Garcia. He's a champion. Get, get off your soapbox. How many that some Thailand guy is between him? Come on, he's like a quasi pound for pound. He's and if he gets knocked out by Errol Spence, if he stops him, if he makes him take the Kodo knee. We could be talking about a pound for pound. But here's the deal. I don't think we're going to get Hagler Hearns, meaning Sean Porter's going to come in and just say, I'm mauling and brawling until we, we die, until we run out of energy and we die. Because Spence is going to pick him apart and stop him. 
I do think it's going to be slowish early. Porter's going to try to pick his spots, but the spots won't be there. And then he's going to make that decision that I'm going to survive. And it's going to be a impressive decision win for Spence. Unless, but I here's agree. the deal. Here's the deal. Now, you know, I don't want us. I don't want to predict a decision. Fans don't want a decision. They want a knockout. We haven't seen how great Errol Spence could be because we haven't seen somebody except for the first six rounds against Brooke really challenge him, really be a problem. If Porter steps on that gas and challenges him, are we going to see a version of Errol that we've never, are we going to see the real truth? The real truth, right? We could. I just don't, I think that, I think that, I, I don't, I, I and that, that would be Sean Porter making a decision to really and at some point in the fight say, all right, I got to just throw everything at the wall here. We're going to go kitchen sink on this. And that's how we get to a stoppage. I think that that may not happen. And even sensing that he may be behind in the fight, Porter, you know, boxes and continues just fighting responsibly because that's not a, that's a normal thing to do. You go in there and, and you you protect yourself and, and look to score points. Um, I think that's more likely than than you know, then, then him trying to walk through the fire and, and being suffering third degree burns. I just think Sean is stubborn enough that he makes it to the distance because I'm not sure if he's going to bring out the real truth. I'm not sure, you know, because everybody has that decision in the second half of a really important fight where it's like, am I willing to go out my shield to win this? Look, when he outbought, when he took the decision from Ugas that a lot of people, including me, thought Ugas won, I still don't like the way Sean talks about that fight. Almost like, no, we knew we had it. We knew we had done enough. I listened to my father. No, you left the back door open. Like, you got lucky in some ways. I wonder if there's part of him that goes to the cards thinking I had a shot maybe at a score. No, you didn't. No, it's going to be a decision win for Errol Spence. Although, here's the deal. I think he gets a knockdown. I think he will get a knockdown. And I think that'll really discipline Sean. We're going to see frustration. Yeah, because you it. can't, you ain't, and you're not, you're not. All right, let's you find won't. out if we care, Rafe, to get out of this show. We'll also touch on that undercard in a second, but the box starts. Oh, by the way, Michael Dutchover got stopped over the weekend. That show box prospect on cuts. It was not like a. It, it was it, it was a fair stoppage, I guess, because of the cuts. But that's but it was one not letter like away was... from a Dutch oven, Rafe. Your thoughts? <laughs> That's 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 one of the more notable things. Uh, right, past the right. past the ditchy on the left hand side. Yes, yes, thank you. Sorry, Low, slow moving internet here. Thank you. All right, it starts, Rafe. Oh, did Joseph Diaz win over the weekend? I didn't even sniff that fight. He did. It was a pretty uninspiring. Uh, I think he ended up winning by majority decision against some opponent guy. All right, um, uh, five minutes or less. We'll find out if you care here. Thursday night in Montreal, no TV, no stream, but the main event has Bathrizan Zhukambayev in a 10-round junior welterweight bout against the puppet, Miguel Vasquez, who once signed his PBC deal, and a McDonald's. You care, Rafe? I don't care, Brian. All right, Friday in London. This is an ESPN Plus card. Daniel Dubois for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title against Ebenezer Teta. Tattoo on Tati, Rafe. Yeah, he's got to beat that man named Tite. <laughs> um, yeah, I care. He might get beat by a man named Tite. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. All right. That uh, would be a crushing blow for Frank Warren. In the co-main event, Nicola Adams defends her WBO women's flyweight title against Maria Salinas. No, no. 
Oh, that's yeah. I can't wait for that. One. All right, Friday awesome. from Trujillo Alto, Puerto Rico. It's going to be on the PR Best Boxing Facebook stream, Rafe. Carlos Arrieta versus Ricardo Nunez, junior featherweights. No? Nah, man. No, no, no. All right, Fox pay-per-view Saturday night, L.A. We talked to you about Spence Porter. I love me that co-main event. Please check out the PBC face-to-face. Anthony Durrell will defend his WBC super middleweight title against the former champ, David Benavidez. Ray feels a little bit like a crossroads. The 168 PBC guy of old, Durrell the dog, against the guy who has next, Benavidez post Cocaina. Uh Rafe, who wins? Because I know you care, because ben- I care a lot. Benavidez, I do care enough to, but not a whole lot, but still enough. Benavidez wins, man. I think he wins. Uh, I think he wins inside six rounds. You think he stops Anthony Durrell, who only has one defeat, and it was a decision yes. to Saki Obika by majority yes. decision. Yes, yes wow. to all those things. Wow, you think you think he shoots the dog, old Yeller style? <laughs> uh, I will shed a tear when it happens. This Brian, is going to be a fun twelve rounds, Rafe, and Benavides is going to win a decision. Okay, thank you, um, Mario Bar- Barrios. I don't know if you're moved on him, Rafe, but he's got a vacant WBA regular one forty title fight against Batir Akhmedov. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, I mean, look, look, like Barrios has looked good. If this is for some sort of fake belt underneath the other fake belts, then it's probably a better fight than his previous fights. I want, I'm watching Barrio, you know, Mario Barrios. And, I'll be um, there in L.A. in your old backyard, Rafe. I wish you were there. Pink Floyd. I wish. I, I also wish. But Rafe, so you think you can tell heaven from hell? Blue skies from pain? Rain? I don't know. I, I, you're talking this. I, don't, I never listened to that stuff, you, man. You, didn't, you guys weren't really into, like, drugs in high school? Um, I don't know. I was, I was pretty oh, straight. I was pretty straight shooting. You know, I was, I was very, I was a teetotaler because I was thinking about my, my basketball career. I should have probably taken the drugs. All right. Uh, Rafe, somebody better get an effing inside on this fight. Jose Cito Lopez, John yes. Molina Jr., 10 rounds welterweights. Give it to me. Yeah. I, so call me a hypocrite for disliking the, the action over the weekend with, uh, El Perro Angulo and Kid Chocolate. But this one I like. This one I really like. Um, it's gonna be fun. I, I'm a little worried that Molina is like might just not have much left. But I mean, what is he it? always well, has that right hand? Better. Yeah, Jose Cito did look good against Thurman. We have to give him that. And he's he's training with Robert Garcia. Yes. Like I feel like that elevates guys. Garcia is such a good that whole camp. You you rarely see guys come out of there and, and, and look bad. Um, he looks, uh, Jose Cito looks better than he did earlier in his career. Like when he was coming off of wins over VO, um, I, I think, but this could be like the Berto fight where Jose Cito is winning a little bit, you know? Yeah. He's doing good. Oh, he hurt him there. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be wild. Yeah. I love it. Uh, are you in on the Robert, the ghost Guerrero reunion tour here? He's going to fight Jerry Thomas, 10 rounds welterweights. No, Oh, that's rough, man. It is really rough. Uh, yeah, 154 prospect Joey Spencer against Travis Gambardella. We'll see how... we'll see if he can look good once in this one. Oh, wow, wow. All right. Um, well, you remember that fight? Yeah, I do. I don't have the time to talk about it. Uh, Fabian Maldana, my, sorry, Maidana, the brother of, of uh, El Chino, will also be on this undercard. Oh, that's... You know what that means, Brian? 
That means El Chino will be there in L.A. You got to find him. You're right. You're right. I do have to. Find you got to. You got to. You got to campeon him. I'll rub that stomach. I'll rub that belly. Um, Saturday in Bilbao, Spain, Rafe. I don't. I don't think there's. A yes. Screen, but you care about yes. this, David Avanesian yes. against Carmen Lejaraga rematch. The rematch for the European welterweight title. Hell yes, the the blade or whatever the heck they call Kerman that that he basically looks like a, a serious. MMA fan. I mean, it's skinhead white guy from Spain in to the max. Undies. Yes, in his undies. Uh, Rafe, Saturday. I, I'm sorry. There's no time left. I got to go pick up a pizza. It's, it's, it's where it's where we're at right now. Right? Okay. There's a pizza that's waiting for me to pick it up. Yeah, I hope it gets thrown in your face. <laughs> wow. 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 Put on Coach the Coach Haas can't protect you. Uh, Saturday in Magdeburg, Germany. Rafe, he's back. One week after Sefer Safari came back into our lives only to get sent. To hell, Rafe. This man is back. Fury needs the Schwarz. We all need the Schwarz. And may the Schwarz be with you. Tom Schwartz will will headline a rematch against Ilja Mezinsev. Wow, that, I, I butchered that, Rafe. You care a little, right? A little? A little. Yeah, you do. Look. The Schwarz needs a couple more pies, and it sounds like he's on his way. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, come on, Internet. That's it. That's it for the weekend. That's it. Show's over. Ray, special thanks to Errol Spence Jr., Sean Porter. Hey, check that fight out on, on Fox Pay-Per-View this weekend. Should be great. That co-main is going to bang, Rafe. I hope it does. I look. I really hope it does, Brian. Okay, okay. Um, you want to tell anybody anything, Rafe? I mean, I, follow your work at Rafe Boogs, the Athletic. Oh, I didn't even mention that. You work for the Athletic. Follow Rafe. You're damn right. I work for the Athletic. Please subscribe and read my writing. Follow Rafe's quality content for about what two ninety nine a month, right? Rafe, you could either feed a child in Cambodia for the price of a cup of coffee per day, or you can subscribe to the Athletic. Why not? Wow, wow, look at this, a renaissance man. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not quite 80K, though, I'll tell you that, Blade. Uh, special shout-out to uh, all of our finalists. Great, who would we be without these uh, thousands of dedicated weird people? We, our lives would not be as rich as they are today. All right, a lot of people will be touching M on Saturday. And uh, somebody might get the raw dog. All right, Rafe? Somebody might get it for us, Rafe, in the end. I got two words for you. We out. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.